welcome to another episode of Conversation with a Chef. I'm Jo Ritty and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. I begin today by acknowledging the Wurundjeri Willem people of the Kulin Nation, traditional custodians of the land where this conversation takes place. Land which was never ceded, land where communities came together to eat seasonally, locally and without exhausting resources. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Today I'm chatting to Salvatore Giorgio at La Vetta at Manong Estate. What an absolute delight to have my 300th conversation with a chef with Salvatore. I've been wanting to chat to him for a while now, ever since I met him at Bar Bambi in the city, and this conversation was even better than I had imagined. Salvatore is a passionate chef who's been cooking since he was 11 years old. He grew up in a family of chefs with his father, a pizza maker in Naples, a mother who prepared three to four courses every night for dinner, and brothers and sisters and cousins who are also chefs. I was hanging off Salvatore's every word, and there's actually just so much gold in this conversation that I'm going to let it speak for itself. You will love it as much as I did. (laughs) Salvatore, you are my 300 conversation with a chef. Really? (laughs) Yes. So, I'm glad... (laughs) <laughs> I've been listening to some of your podcasts. So. Yeah, it's um, they're lo-fi, <laughs> but I think the content is really good because of what the chefs are saying. And I think um, after all these conversations, we're talking about your journey as a chef and those kind of similar things. But everyone comes out with something different, and that's what I really love about it. Well, yeah, yeah everybody is um, just turned. Everyone is yeah unique, I guess. Yeah, that's right. So I'm really I'm really happy that it is. The 300 that it's out in this really beautiful place. I loved coming out for that dinner um, at Manal Estate a few weeks ago now, and um, and then teetering off around the path to stay the night. It's so beautiful out here, and thank you for your great food. Um, but I first met you when you were at Bar Bambi, so I'm sort of interested to know: um, is it how different is it cooking in a winery as opposed to somewhere like Bar Bambi? No, it's, uh, it's completely different, you know, Bar Bambi, uh, I only went there because my good friend Nick Russian, Yeah. you know, I was in Italy and he asked me to open it up and obviously that's more of a bar nightclub, you know, it's yeah. very full on and party atmosphere, we're here, you know, you've got beautiful settings, it's an amazing view and uh, it's a much more bigger challenge because we've got so many businesses on the property. Yeah, that's right. So. So there's La Vetta, which is the fine dining, and then the Cucina... 3064 is our more casual, family-friendly dining. Yeah. Uh, We've got a cafe that we can uh, serve paninis, pizza, focaccias, and things like that, so people can sit out on the grass. Yeah. And then we've got three wedding spaces as well. So we've got three uh, wedding receptions, and next year we're planning to build our winery, which will have a a 25-seat private dining room in next to the vineyards. Oh, so you're really amongst the vines then. That would yeah. be amazing. So, so the idea that you would have three weddings running at the same time? Sometimes, unfortunately, we do have three weddings at the <laughs> one time, so it can be a little bit hectic and stressful, but, you know, that's part of the game, I guess. That's hundreds of people. <laughs> that's amazing. So, I guess... Um, that's the, one of the challenges of being a, sh- a chef. That's a big challenge, having that many people. But you're always sort of, you know, catering to those big numbers. Do you get stressed in those situations, or do you just 
love the buzz of it. I guess you've got to be super organised. Honestly, um, I love the, the adrenaline, the stress that it brings to. Uh, for me, it's not really a stressful job. Um, because I've been doing it since I was 11 years old. 11? Yeah, I started my first job when I was 11. So um, I've worked with a lot of uh, great uh, owners and chefs and waiters and front of house stuff. So I've tried to be a sponge and absorb as much as I can uh, off everybody. And then I've tried to create my own sort of thing. But no, the, I guess when we're, the more busy we, the more busier we are, the, it's just like an adrenaline rush. It's like, you know, there's nothing like it, and the busy, you try to push yourself every day to a, a new challenge, you know. And we're very organised in the kitchen, like we use timers for everything, so, you know, all the guys are fantastic in the kitchen, because they, you know, I feel like sometimes I'll come the conductor, and they're the, the musicians, you know what I mean? So, it's, uh, that's how we try to organise ourselves in all the venues, you know, like we've got more than 20 chefs working here, and they're all, they're all fantastic, like there's no... There's no I in team, so you know I'm very grateful for them. Yeah, I think that's incredible, and I like that. Um, I like that image because I was thinking it is all very choreographed. You know, everyone knows their move, and you, you know you've got a big open kitchen there as well. And it is a big kitchen, um, but there's a lot going on there, and I think you'd have to be have you know they will need to have their ways of moving, don't they, and um, yeah. their role to play. Yeah. yeah. No, it's very. Look, eventually one day I don't want to just be a... I never wanted to be a chef that just wanted to know the one thing. I wanted to know everything. So, like, you know, sometimes when we can pump out a meal within, say, five minutes, I don't. I hold back a little bit because I want the customers to get the experience. I want them to get their drinks. So it's more of a 360 as a chef. You've got to be thinking of every aspect. And some of the guys go, but how did you think of that? Or how did you... It's important that you know everything because you want to give the customer the best experience. It's amazing. Everything you're saying is such wow. gold. It's brilliant. Wow. It's brilliant. Wow. So, one. 11, tell me. So, I was, one of my questions is always, did you always know you wanted to be a chef? And it sounds like perhaps you did. Well, yeah, my, my passions were soccer and cooking. So, growing up as a kid, uh, my mum always stayed home because she was a stay-at-home mum with my dad, obviously, and uh, my brother and sister. So, she would be cooking from like 6, 7 in the morning, all these amazing meals. So, you know... Is she Italian background? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, moving moving to that, like, side, like, we always had good food. We would have three, four courses every single night, you know. We didn't have the Mercedes and all that, as my father used to say, but we had our, our pantry and our fridge was uh, better than anyone in, you know, his philosophy was the most important meal is dinner time and all that sort of stuff, you know what I mean? I remember as a kid, this is a funny story, I was playing in the park with my friends and I was only very young, maybe less than 10, and I came home five minutes late. And, you know, he punished me, sent me to my room, I didn't eat, whatever. And he goes, you know, your mum's slaving in the kitchen all day. You gotta appreciate it and you gotta respect her because she stays home all day to make sure that you're fed well. I was never late ever again in my life. Yeah, so, right. so, you know, I'm very, it was very strict, you know, like yeah. military, because my father was in the army as well. And he was, a, he was a pizza maker in Naples. So that's where also the passion came from. Yeah. So, yeah, food was a very serious thing in our household. From making salamis, from making the tomato sauce, all our pickled vegetables, fresh pastas. So it was, it was an everyday thing. Yeah. So did he teach you some... He taught me a lot of he taught me a lot of my pizza my pizza knowledge. Um, my brother's a chef. My sister's a chef. 
Wow. Uh, I've got cousins in Italy that are chef. My brother-in-law is a pastry chef. Um, who worked for Paul Bacuse, which is the godfather of chefs. So, you know, from a young age, there was a lot of... Uh, you had to be a chef. <laughs> yeah, but there was a lot of, like, you know, arguing in the kitchens at home, like, you know, because everyone wanted to outdo each other. Wow. But in the end, I always was the best one, <laughs> as my dad always said. Um, so that was a... Yeah, of course, they, they installed a lot of the cooking in me. So when I cook, the, the greatest satisfaction is when the customer's happy. Yeah. It's not about the money, because if I wanted to do money, I would have done concreting or I would have been a builder or something, you know what I mean? But yeah, the greatest satisfaction is um, seeing the smile on the customer's face. That's the, that's the end result for me. Amazing. So, but let's just go back to 11. So is that cooking at home or is that cooking? No, no, no. Uh, my brother's godfather had a very uh, pizzeria slash Italian restaurant in Torquay. Okay. Um, so I used to catch the bus by myself, 11 years old, after school, not a word of a lie, because my dad used to say, if you want a job, you've got to you know, get to it yourself, you've got to show maturity. He was very hard, and, and I appreciate that. So then obviously when I finished at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, the, the pizza makers would drive me back home and all that. Uh, and I used to just be a prep boy, like cutting all the ingredients and whatnot, and then that was for the summer. And then from there, my brother was an apprentice chef, so then I would work in the kitchen, just helping and stuff. And then back then, it was, well, 98, I think, you could leave school at the age of 15 and nine months. I left school at 14 and nine months to work full-time as a chef. And, yeah. Wow. So I was always, I was always destined to do it. So. Yes. And have you always worked in Italian places? Unfortunately, 99%, yes. Yes. It's something that... Um, is a big passion for me and like I always say like Italian food sort of got lost along the way and this is not a criticizing of of people or Italians but a lot of the Italians that came in the 50s and 60s they saw an opportunity to open up restaurants and congratulations to them you know but things like chicken parmigiana spaghetti bolognese doesn't exist in Italy yes. Uh, Parmigiana is eggplant Parmigiana which originates from Naples Campania and spaghetti bolognese is an American dish it's really tagliatelle so the other reason I wanted to strive to be a chef and I want to educate the customers and Italy is such a, a big region you can cross over a different region like where we are in Michelin to Greenvale as an example and they do the dish completely different and it's a different name and everything so Italian food in general is so unique and a lot of people just think it's always lasagna spaghetti pizza but there's so much more like the regions it's it's phenomenal you know what i mean like it's endless well that's right so and did you tend to stay in restaurant or venues for like a long period of time or have you been in a few like quite a few different honestly places? i've always whether it's a good or bad thing, but for me it was a good thing. I tried to stay in a place no longer than 12 to 18 months yeah. because I just wanted to learn, yeah. absorb and move on, you know what I mean? Uh, some chefs stay in places for five, six years. That's all good and well, but just for my, for my uh, education and knowledge, I wanted to just absorb as much as I basically could, like a sponge. Yeah. So I did pizzas, I've done pastries, I've done bakery. I've done fine dining, I've done winery, I've done casual dining, I've done everything. So 
I wanted to broaden my horizons, let's say. Mm. I just didn't want to be a chef that, you know, and even though I'm the executive chef here, I'm still on the tools. I work harder than everybody. I try to lead by example. Yeah. Um, you're only as good as your leader, you know what I mean? Mm. And, you know, my guys, they do an amazing job because yeah. they see how hard I work. If I ask them to do an extra hour, they don't even batter an eyelid. Like, they go to war for me every day and uh, they're fantastic. Yeah. That's good, what a great atmosphere to have. I often ask these days about well-being because, you know, it, it, it's intense work and um, not so much long hours these days, but, um, <laughs> but you know, like it's stressful. What, how do you manage that for you and for your staff? Look, all my staff, they try to work the, the, the normal hours, but, you know, in one way I push them a lot because I want them to be better than me. But I always instill that you just have to be better than me because that means I haven't done my job. So, uh, yeah, I do a lot of the hours, like currently I'm doing like 90 hours a week. But I enjoy it and yeah. the, the adrenaline just, I don't know, you just wake up and you just get into it. Like it's, yeah. I've been doing it for three months since I started. Yeah. And I won't have a day off until it is running like a well-oiled machine. And it already is, but it's good being a perfectionist because you can never reach it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's just fantastic. And the one thing I also love about cooking is teaching the guys, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I want them to be better than me and I want them to be better than a lot of chefs, you know? And that's where there's a, a very good respect between all of us. Like it's a, the team is fantastic. I can't, yeah. can't thank them more. Anymore, I, I love that when I when, you, when I was out here, you mentioned them as well. And I think it's just, it is really great. I think um, you know some chefs have a tendency to make it all about them, but I know that you um, yeah you seem to have such a great appreciation and respect for that. Oh look, you know, like I said, there's no I in team, and uh, there's some chefs. All chefs have got egos. Any chef that doesn't <laughs> say it is lying. I've got egos. You know, um, but a lot of sh some chefs, I'll, I'm not going to say for all, but some are insecure. They don't want to give recipes or they feel threatened. If I can give a recipe and I can teach someone and they can do a better job than me, they've made my life a little bit less stressful. Yeah. Uh, as an example, one of my head pizza makers is a Nepalese boy. From, his name's Sujan. Good friends of mine as well. Uh, 13 years ago, I taught him how to do pizzas and uh, at Plus 39 where I used to work. And he, after I left, after two years of being there, he managed it for 10 years. And I can tell you right now, he's probably better than most Italian pizza makers in Melbourne. Wow. And now he's working back with me. Yes. And it's a great satisfaction because he's phenomenal. Yeah. He's a great boy. Yeah. And that's, what, that's why I get up in the morning to come to work because they work hard for me, but they see that I care about them. And it's creating a really good culture. Yeah. And it sounds to me like I really love the idea you're saying that you know you're always learning. You like to be challenged, um, you know, throughout your career. And I know before you were at Barbambi, you did your stage or residency over in Italy. Was that part of that need to look? We went change back, things up. We went back to Italy for family reasons, me and my partner. But um, obviously, we stayed for about a year, and then like we did a bit of travelling, and I did some little. Uh, like little stages in little places and stuff. It was more because, I guess, for, for doing it for so long, I probably got a little bit stale. Uh, just because Italian food is so different in Italy than it is in Australia. And 
hear just the customer, not that they dictate too much, but they want to change the pasta, and things like this, you know, and from a customer's point of view, I can understand why they want, but also you've got to respect the craft as well. And when I went back to Italy and I went and visited like the Parmigiana factory, where they do the cheese, uh, the prosciutto parma factory, uh, buffalo factories in uh, Salerno. You see these families because they've got to all follow the same recipe. And you know, one of the factories that I went to produced 12 wheels of parmigiano a day, 72 a week. It was father, son, mother, daughter, and they just do it. And that's their livelihood, you know what I mean? And then you think all the little families that just produce, some produce a little bit more or whatever, but then they export to the world. And then I know they're trying to bring in a, a rule, which I'm a bit of an advocate for. They want to like say prosecco has to come from Italy and buffalo has to come. I understand in Australia or in America or in other countries they want to produce, but after living there and seeing that that's all they live for, mm. I think we should sort of respect it a little bit. And if you want parmigiano, it has to come from the region. Same with buffalo mozzarella, same with prosciutto, because all they do is they do something very simple and they respect it. But then here or other places, we don't respect the food. Food is so simple, but we complicate it. You know what I mean? And that's what we're trying to do at Lavetta. Uh, we're not trying to reach three hats, whatever. If we get one hat, we'd be happy but it's just good, honest Italian food, presented nice, fresh, and very, very simple. You know, I'm not gonna put, you know, it's not molecular cuisine, okay? But it's good Italian food, everything's freshly made. So when we say we use Parmigiano Reggiano, it is. Yeah. Where some places will say it's Grana Padano, you know, it's two different things. Mm. They might be similar, but they're two different things. Or some places use Parma ham in, instead of San Daniele, and they always say it's San Daniele. You've got to respect the food that you're dealing with, you know what I mean? And that's what, obviously, that trip and coming back changed my mindset drastically. So we try to really focus on those projects and respect it as much as possible. Yeah. So maybe um, just give me some examples of some of the dishes, perhaps, that you had that, on the menu here that um, I loved the, was it the pistachio, the, that pasta? The indunderi. Oh, so good. Well, yeah, well, that's, that's another dish that's from Maori in uh, the Amalfi Coast. And that dish was invented oh, maybe eight, nine hundred years ago. Amazing. Uh, and it was just with leftover ricotta. And then obviously, the reason why I call it indunderi is because that's its original name. But then obviously you get the clientele as well, oh, it's ricotta gnocchi. It's not, yes, it looks like a gnocchi, but that's the original name. So I try to instill it into the customer that I'm trying to also not just give good food and good give service, we want to educate the customers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's important because, like as growing up as a kid, what my father said to me, food is important and respect it. I'm just trying to give that little bit. If I can reach out to 1% of the customers, then I've done my job. Yeah. And I think that's really, I, I love that idea because I do think um, it's, it's good to, to know about the origins of these things and to be, and you're doing things the way they're supposed to be done. That's so, it's so European, you know, like I lived in France for a year and, and, um, and quite often I'd have to sit back and wait to see how they ate certain things because there's always a way of doing things, you know, like the, the asparagus that's fresh in, in spring, they'd get their plate and tip it up on a little fork and they'd make like a little vinaigrette down the bottom of the plate and they'd dip each spare and then just eat it, you know, with, with, their, with their fingers. Um, 
and I was just like, I just love that there's a way of doing things, and we just don't really have that here, and it does it, and it, and it means you savour the food, and you really yeah, appreciate course. it, and you respect it, as you say. Well, as you said, there's a funny story happened a couple of weeks ago. We had um, two gentlemen that came in, and they ordered some cappuccinos with their food, and they ordered a, the burrata, which is air freighted from Italy, with our house-made giardinera, and they ordered carpaccio, and things like that. And uh, the wait staff came to me and they said, oh, they're still waiting on their food. And I said, yeah, they're not getting it until they finish their coffee. <laughs> and they started laughing. They're like, what do you mean? I said, well, you're coming here for an experience. I said, who drinks a coffee with the burrata and pickled vegetables <laughs> and raw fish? And, and I said, just tell them that I'm not serving it until they finish. Politely, of course. And they understood. And then they said, thank you. And I said, listen, if I want you to have the best experience. So, you know, it's all about educating them as well. Yeah. This is as an example, you know what I mean? So, it's all about educating. Sometimes I walk out to the customers and I explain to them, you know, have it this way because you're going to get the best quality. It's not because I don't want to cook it a certain way. It's because that's the way it should be eaten. And 99.9% touch wood, all the customers always come back and say thank you. So, it's not because I want to be rude or say it's my way. I just want to educate them. You know, like some people say... With the shalatelli, which is a handmade pasta, they go, can we get cheese? You try not to put cheese on it, you know what I mean? Because, wow. Yeah. So it's, it's all about education. Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating, I love it. And um, just because I know you probably have to get back into the kitchen, but just a final question, what would your advice be to people who are thinking about becoming a chef? Uh, if you want to become a chef, if you're watching MasterChef, the show, don't do it because uh, that's all. I've never watched the episode in my life, and I won't uh, because I find it fake. I feel like uh, television. If they want to do a real show, get the real chefs out there that have been working in the industry, that work on all those important days like Christmas Day, Valentine's Day, have to work when their family members are sick or they're not feeling well, or they've got health issues or whatever, but they're still cooking because that's their love. If you really enjoy cooking, do it from your heart. Don't do it because you see MasterChef and they win $200,000 because that's, that's not what cooking's all about. Uh, they've made it glorified. It's good for the industry, but now everyone's a food critic. Yeah. But if you really want to be a chef, if you're in the kitchen with your grandparents or your nonni or whatever, if that's what you really want to do, do it 100%, but don't do it because people are on TV signing book deals and stuff because that's not what a chef is, you know. We, we do it for something else. Yeah. It's, a, it's different. Yeah. Thank you. No, 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 it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Conversation with a Chef with Salvatore Giorgio at Manong Estate. You can check out Salvatore's Instagram at chef underscore S-A-L-V-A-T-O-R-E underscore G-I-O-R-G-I-O for some beautiful photos of food and also Salvatore feeding an alpaca. There's also at Manong Estate to check out the beauty that is the winery as a whole. And I'm on Instagram too at Conversation with a Chef. And if you want to read the chat, you can head to www.conversationwithachef.com. I would love it if you told a friend about my chats. And of course, you can follow me on Apple and Spotify podcasts. Once again, thanks so much for listening and have a wonderful day.